This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Big news on the coaching front. As far as the Browns are concerned, Bubba Ventrone is your new assistant head coach, and he is also the special teams coordinator. Daryl, your initial thoughts, your reaction. I saw a parade in the street today. I think people were very excited about this. Yeah, I mean, good hire uh, by the Browns. Uh, Bubba Ventrone, of course, uh, former Brown himself, special team standout between 2009 and, and 2012, spent four seasons uh, playing for the Browns. Um, one of the better special teams coordinators in the NFL, the Colts uh, unit, one of the better units. They were top 10 for the five years while with Indianapolis, so I think it's a solid hire. What makes him different? What made him stand out? And do you think he's the reason that they felt they could let Mike Prefer go because they felt like they could get him? Yeah, that I, I think that that was the whole impetus behind this. Um, you know, they had to go through the process, obviously, of interviewing other candidates, but they knocked them all out in one day. And I mean, it literally took three days to do all this. So um, I, I think he was the target all along, and uh, he comes back to Cleveland, and now he's charged with uh, turning uh, this special teams unit around that, quite frankly, wasn't very good under Mike Prefer. When they make him the assistant head coach, what does that mean, and does that mean he has more power than Prefer had, or does this mean that Kevin Stefanski put himself in a position to have more help, especially on defense? You know, it's not like – you know, Kevin's calling the plays. He's got to worry about the next play. He's got to worry about how to get the offense set. He's got to, It's a lot of offensive-based stuff on game day. I'm sure during the week it's a little bit different. Does this give him the opportunity to have somebody else be his right-hand man because he's the assistant head coach, or is that just something they had to do in title to make sure they could get him out of Indianapolis? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I, you know, the Browns have give out these annoyingly long titles to people. We've had this conversation. I think it's just stupid. But they do it. Um, you know, Andrew Barry's the executive vice president of football operations and GM. They can't just call him the GM. Um, but in this case, uh, making him the assistant head coach, and uh, we saw the Washington Commanders do the same thing with Eric Bieniemy. He is the assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator. So pretty much the same thing here. Um, and, you know, Ventrone will – step in and be the head coach if needed. If, uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski isn't available. We saw it in 2020 when, uh, you know, Stefanski had a mispractice uh, or two because of COVID, you know, Prefer ran the practice in his absence. And then obviously that playoff game in Pittsburgh, 
Stefanski wasn't available and, you know, Prefer ran things. So, uh, you know, Prefer just didn't have the title of being the assistant head coach, but now Ventrone has that. So what? technically it's, it's, it's a, uh, a bump up move. Um, I, I think that there are some that think that someday that uh, Ventrone could be a head coach someday. Um, so I guess maybe this title gets him a step closer to that. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to remember. I mean, he was pretty active when he was on special teams with the Browns. I mean, he's a, he, he's a uh, high energy. He was a high energy player, and from highlights, I guess you can say he's a high energy coach too. Like this is a guy that's not going to be scared to get in people's faces when they make a mistake. Is that correct? In what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, I would think so. Is that what we need, though? That's the question. I mean, and there are a lot of questions. Did you not why did you not watch the Browns last year? Well, I'm just saying, you know, we can talk about that and say we think they need it, but there's a level of. Um, professionalism I guess or something like that that maybe or decorum as far as the way players are treated today compared to where they were you know on the anniversary of Bobby Knight throwing his chair you know like those days seem to be really far gone and with the exception of what maybe is going on in Detroit I don't know that we see a lot of yellers or screamers on the sidelines in fact you know we you sometimes laugh about the way Kevin just has no emotion on the sidelines and he just keeps the chart in front of his face it does that play in today's NFL well, I don't know that he's a yeller and screamer. I mean, I don't know his coaching style, but um, high energy is what I would just from what I've seen him and the way he played that way. I mean, you know, he uh, when his name first came up, you know, you think about the Pittsburgh tie for him because he's from Pittsburgh. It's hard not to think of Bill Cowher, same kind of thing. Like Bill was a high energy special teams player when he played for the Browns, and you saw that same kind of energy when he became a head coach. And I think that that's probably. I mean, I don't know. You'll know better than I will, and I'll know better after we watch these guys at training camp, but doesn't it seem like uh, Bubba's got a little bit of that intensity to him? Well, so does uh, Jim Schwartz. True. Yeah, good point. So, you know, I I, I think that the message being sent this offseason is pretty apparent when you look at the, the, the type of guys that were hired and uh, those that were replaced. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Um. I, the bigger question then, too, when you look at this is, and, and we kind of touched on this on the last podcast, was the whole notion of having to flip two-thirds of your coordinators in the offseason to make this team better where, you know, like we were talking to Chris Rose yesterday, and the difference between 10 and 7 wins in the NFL, while it seems like an eternity when you're stuck on the 7 side, sometimes it's a lucky break here or it's a, a good play that you had to make at, at a certain time that this team is – struggled at getting to being a 10-win team compared to a 7-win team. I'm just wondering, you know, when you look at it and you look at the grand scheme of things, how much of a mistake was it for the coordinators that were in here before, or was it just a matter of time before they knew they needed to make a change? And, you know, we see that more on the defense. I can't can't get all riled up about a new special teams coach. I think those guys are in a weird spot to start with. It's not like, you know, your top priority when you're going into the draft. You're looking at guys that can – do whatever they can to, to be a part of the offense or the defense, and special teams is an afterthought unless you're a kicker or a long snapper or a, or a punter. So I, I just I look at it in some ways and try to figure out where this team's going, and I wonder how close they are, and are these changes enough to put them over, especially when it comes to coaching and coaching style? Well, I mean, that's the expectation, right? I mean, there, there aren't going to be any more excuses. Um because there's no one else to replace but the head coach. So um, I think it's fair to expect that the defense is going to be better, that the special teams is going to 
perform better. Um, you, the Browns just really weren't good in either one of those phases, right? I, I mean, you, you look at the special teams last year for the Browns. Um, they needed to use four punt returners, uh, less than 10 yards per return. They had to use five kickoff returners, around 22, 23 yards per return this past season. Um, you know, the, the, the metrics or whatever, they were, I don't know, 18th, 19th overall. Uh, you look at the Colts and, you know, almost 28 yards of kickoff return this past season, around nine yards per punt return this past season. They limited kickoff returns to around 23 yards and, and gave up less than eight yards per punt return. So, I mean, if the Browns special teams unit can, put out those kind of numbers uh, next year in addition to maybe some of the, the the fundamental stuff, right? The inability to fall on an onside kick, you know, th- just attention to detail. Uh, I think that they're going to be better. Uh, you know, field position is going to be better. Put the offense in better spots. Put the defense in better spots. So I, I think that that's why there's reason to be, uh, I guess, optimistic you know, by bringing Ventrone in and, you know, making making the change that Stefanski ultimately decided to do six weeks after the season was over. Well, you know, one of the weapons they didn't have last year that I'm sure Mike Prefer had high hopes for was Jakeem Grant to be able to, you know, run back kicks and maybe even play a little bit of wide receiver. I mean, he was, he was a very, very good wide receiver at Texas Tech, and I wonder if he was in the Browns' plans at all to catch a couple passes, but – um, what's the status on him for next year? What do you think about Jakeem Grant? And could he have an impact on the team next season? Well, I'm looking up his contract right now. Right, I think he's got two years left on it. Um, yeah, he does. Okay. It was a three-year deal last year. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully he, you know, recovers and we'll see. I mean, you know, you're coming off injury, so it's, you know, it, it's hard to tell. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, got three years or two years left and, you know, you'll see, I mean, that, that injury was obviously, you know, pretty, had ended up having pretty big impact, right? Cause you, yeah. you lost your pro bowl returner that you had signed to come in and give you something that just quite frankly, you didn't have. Um, and then it took you until December to figure out that Donovan Peoples Jones and Jerome Ford you know, could return punts and kicks. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would go in with cautious optimism, but, uh, you know, to be determined how he, you know, responds coming off that injury. Fair enough. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. A little bit of quarterback talk when we return. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. You know how to do that at game day CLE on both Twitter and Instagram.